Jordan. Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Know you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. God never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up Elijah Muhammad. Muhammad Ali. Sarah Carmichael. Mess now, man. What about me? Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Know you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. God never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up Elijah Muhammad. Muhammad Ali. Sarah Carmichael. Mess now, man. What about me? Be willing to die so that we can be free. Now, if we don't produce, man, what we gon' eat? What we gon' eat? Yeah, man, what we gon' eat? What we gon' do if they cut off the street? If they block off the trust, tell me what you gon' eat? What you gon' drink? See what I mean? What you gon' do? What I'ma do? I'ma stomach some food. Don't be a fool. That's Farrakhan lead. I'm a tune. Stay in the street. Change a couple goons. I'm pushing the worst and I'm pushing the message. I'm blessing the game. Allah already blessed me. Find a call new cause we got you. Can't lose. Only two dollars. Get news you can use. Heaven or hell. Those conditions you choose. Come to the mosque. These are things we can prove. Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do it for yourself. Know you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. God never let up. Alright, everyone. Welcome to the Brother Ben. Next podcast, we are live now with our sister Don Dixon, and we're going to be talking about uh, actually a variety of things. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, building a community of customers, um, getting investors, how to balance work and family, all kind of things. And as I always tell people in the beginning, what I want to do is um, talk about your upbringing, uh, talk about who you are, because many people always talk about the success. Many people always talk about the mansions and the cars, but a lot of people don't talk about where they came from. And there is a lot of people who are in a position that um, that you probably actually came from. And then to give them a little bit more encouragement and hope and motivation and inspiration to get to where they want to go in life. So for those who don't know who you are, who are you and uh, how did you get started? Thanks for having me. First of all, I'm such a fan of you and the shifters and all the amazing content that you put out, keeping us all so uplifted during this time. So thank you for being the light. Uh, my name is Dawn Dixon. I am a light worker as well. That's definitely what I consider myself to be. Also a serial entrepreneur. And I really come from a background of whether be legal or illegal, very enterprising people in my family and in, in my circle growing up. So I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 20 years. Um, and I got my start just um, while working a corporate job right out of college because that's what I was groomed to do. You know, my family said, okay, go to college and get a corporate job. That's what a lot of us were told to do in my generation you know, entrepreneurship was not a thing uh, as far as the w general public. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't talked about. Of course, there was no social media. So in the in the businesses that I've seen, of course, like I said, illegal and then some like daycares and construction and home remodeling. So nothing like what I do. But, um, you know, I got that corporate job and I realized like this is just not for me. Um, it was very easy for me. I pay. I was paid very, very well, especially for a 21-year-old, but I wasn't challenged at all. And at a young age, I always was very ambitious, and I knew that, you know, upward mobility, so being able to, like, get 
more positions, go higher in the ranks of the company was important to me because initially I was just buy money, you know, as a young person. person. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to make a lot of money um, any more than I make now, you know, working for them because all the work that I do, they get credit for my bosses and the company. And it's really not doing anything to increase my personal wealth long term. So I had a vision as a as a young person. Um, and I know that came from just seeing like my, my mother and father being enterprising in their own way. So, you know, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, and actually that's where I live now. And um, just seen a lot, you know, growing up, just seen a lot of struggles and seen a lot of also equal successes throughout my family. So would you say that uh, your main, I guess, drive for entrepreneurship is because you saw your parents already into entrepreneurship? Did they kind of involve you in the business or is this just something that you observed and was like, well, I want to do that, too? So they didn't. I mean, my mom had a home daycare, um, so she definitely was an entrepreneur, but she had a home daycare. Many of kids in the neighborhood were there. And my dad had a home remodeling and renovation business. I was not involved at all, but just seeing them do that made me know that it's possible to have your own business. Mm -hmm. They did not encourage me to be an entrepreneur. When I said that I wanted to start my own company, they did not support it initially because, again, I had a college degree. I was making, you know, at the time, $42,000 a year, $45,000 a year with my bonuses. And I was 21 years old. And that's more than they were making, you know, typically in general, you know. So they did not think it was a good idea to be an entrepreneur. But I went to school for tech. So I went to school. My first degree is in um, marketing and journalism. And second time I went to college for tech. And so my very first company was a tech company. And that came from me just understanding that this is in 2000 that technology was the future and and having the foresight to see like all the things that could be done because I was in school for it I was learning the code I was making video games I was you know I knew how to be like a tech disassembling computers fixing computers I just knew how to do a lot of things and I'm like you know I want to be involved in this next wave of tech my parents did not understand it at all like I mean email they still to this day, like my dad doesn't even, he just kind of left his flip phone to the side just last year. So they just didn't get it. So they're like, what, you know, what's the internet? This isn't a real thing. You're not going to make any money. But my first company was an online marketing and events website. And we made a lot of money from ads and they did not understand it at all. It's so funny because I mean, it's definitely ages me if I haven't already aged myself, but people used to say, you know, what does Dawn do? After I quit my job at the at Nationwide Insurance, they say, what does Dawn do? My mom would be like, well, she has a Tommy job, like on Martin. Mm. I mean, she could not <laughs> articulate what I did. She has a Tommy job. She's like, Tommy, Dawn doesn't really have a job or nobody knows what Dawn does. Like, and they would, it was a running joke for many years that I, I'm like Tommy because nobody understood what I did for a really long time. Um, that's funny you say that because I kind of had some of the similar, uh, a similar situation where they thought they, and it's funny because they would send me like applications like, uh, maybe you should check out this job right here because they didn't understand how to get paid on social media. How did you deal with your parents not supporting you in the beginning? What was your mindset and what are some of the things that you did to kind of like 
get you over that hump because a lot of people, because they don't have support of the family, they stop right there because the family don't get it. They don't support so man, don't nobody support me. But what mindset that you have to where I'm going to keep going, although my parents don't support me at this point? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been kind of rebellious. So it was like, you know, I'm going to show you. And so I became I became driven by let me prove you wrong. Mm. And my dad always has a saying where he's like, show me the bank account. Like, he doesn't care. Like, literally, when I was on the cover of Black Enterprise two years ago, I'm like, Dad, I want to cover Black Enterprise. He's like, let me see your bank statement. Like, he does not care about any awards, accolades. He cares about the money. And so when I started making money, I'm like, look, you know, I'm making money from ads online. He had no concept of what I was talking about, but I wasn't asking him for money and there was money coming in and I was supporting myself. So at that point, he actually gave me money and he was my first investor Mm. and he invested $10,000 in my business because he believed that I could do it after I showed that I could. So I'm always driven by doubters. That's like my, that's just how my personality is. But I will say other people who are discouraged by naysayers or people that doubt you, you know, just find something within yourself that you can find motivation from. When I was a young entrepreneur, all of these people like yourself, Brother Ben, and so many other people online that shows you what you can do, that you can make money. There was no social media. So now, you know, even though I say social media is fake, you can see a lot of real success stories there. So find some type of inspiration you could pull from because generally – I hate to say it, but it's usually your family that are the last ones yep. to support. And so for you with, with the tech, what led you down that road to getting into, into tech? What did you see to understand and know that that was going to be the future? What led you down that road? So when I was in school for journalism, um, this is in the late 90s when I was in school for journalism. And so there was no such thing as online news yet. So the station that I worked for as a senior in college, they were the first station to put news online in the state. And so it was my job as, you know, working on the news desk to work with the IT person and do the the FTP uploading of the news after the news went live and aired. I had to go and take the reels and record it, download it and upload it onto the internet, onto the internet. And it was a big deal. And it moved so slow. Everybody had dial up. But it was a big deal that you could go watch the news replay online. And that's when it clicked in my mind, like, you know, the future of media is online. And at the time, I wasn't planning on being an entrepreneur. I went to school for IT so that I could strengthen my skills to be able to get a job because news jobs are very competitive. And so I figured that if I had tech skills, I could get a job at a a news station um, better. And so that was initially what led me to go to school for tech, just to have better job skills for the future. But then when I got into tech, I was like, oh, my God, there's so many things that could be done. I don't want to limit myself. Plus, the tech jobs are paying three times the media jobs, literally three times the media jobs. So I changed my career. (laughs) You know, again, I was driven by money at the time. So it was a no brainer at that time. And so um, was the. What was your first initial um, business like for me or, or I guess um, first entrepreneurship start? Because for me and a lot of people that I've interviewed, mine was candy. My mom would go get some, uh, some uh, you know, chips and candy from Sam's and I would flip it at school. So that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship. I can make my own money. I can flip. So what was that first entrepreneurship spark for you? What business did you start first? 
Oh, goodness. I had tons of hustles as a kid. You know, of course, babysitting, made a lot of money babysitting. I made really good money um, selling, like doing swaps. So what I would set up like every couple weeks in the neighborhood where we could they could come in and swap and sell toys and clothes you didn't want or need. And then I would just take a percentage of that. Of course, always doing things like selling candy, doing lemonade stands. And I had a very sophisticated uh, drink lemonade and drink stand as a kid. So I always loved generating money and always was finding ways to do it. But I started making real cash babysitting. Like I had a whole babysitting conglomerate, like other babysitter partners. And, you know, that's when I, I really knew like I could make money. But again, my mother had a home daycare. So it was so it was like an assist. You know, I could definitely um, work do work for those parents as well. So I was making a lot of good money as you know as a young teen doing babysitting but the real bug came when I did everything that they told me to do as far as you know like I said I was taught to go to high school graduate go to college get a corporate job and then you retire like that is the formula that you retire from that job after however many years you work and at 65 you retire I was following that plan I graduated from college in three years got a corporate job and I was like, okay, this is just not going to work for me. I can't imagine working for this company until I'm 65. I was 21 years old. So that's when I really said, okay, I got to do something for freedom. You know, I wanted to be free. Mm. So how? So when you say the freedom part, because there's a lot of people that are like, they don't have jobs and they think that getting paid six figures at a job, that is freedom. Like, man, I'm trying to, I, man, I'm trying to get me something. I'm trying to get me a new car. So you mean to tell me that you quit a job making all that type of money for freedom? Explain that mindset for people. First, I want to say like freedom is relative, right? Like if that is what freedom means to them, because we all know entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It is for a certain type of person that can has a very high tolerance for risk, very risk adverse because you can win big and you can also hit rock bottom, which I have multiple times, Mm -hmm. but I never hit rock bottom mentally or emotionally. I just hit rock bottom financially. So for me, the freedom was, you know, being able to be my own boss, being able to work on things that I love to work on, that I'm passionate about and not just what they tell me to work on. Because entrepreneurs, you still work a lot. It's more than 40 hours a week many times. It's not like you go punch the clock 9 9 a.m. to 5 or 6 and then you're off and then you're off. Like for me, I'm really never off because in my mind, I'm responsible for multiple companies now. So it's not like I'm ever all the way off. Yes, I have the luxury of having vacations and doing things now because I have teams, but you know, freedom, you, whatever freedom means to you as an individual, that is what you be in, can be in pursuit of. What worked for me was entrepreneurship um, because I, I liked working on what I wanted to. And I, it never sat well with me, even as a kid, going to the bathroom when you say I can, going on vacation when you say I can, coming in when you say I can, going to lunch, like that kind of structure is not for me personally Mm. that structure in my day okay uh something stood out you said you didn't you fell several times financially but Mm -hmm. but not mentally and spiritually so during this this quarantine time many people have probably hit that rock bottom so can you talk about some things that you stand on maybe some books how do you maintain yourself mentally although you fall financially because a lot of people once the finances go down the mental spirituality emotions everything go down with it so how do you maintain that 
I mean, I've definitely studied entrepreneurs and there's many, many books that I, that I could just, that I could mention, but studying um, their story and knowing that there's peaks and valleys in all of this and there's extreme highs and extreme lows sometimes in the same day as an entrepreneur. And so I knew that this is what I was signing up for. But I always know equally that, you know, what I'm working on, I believe in. I'm the best person to do it and I can get it done. And so I've experienced financial peaks. I mean, last year I raised one point three million dollars, was the first uh, female founder of any color to raise this money in a crowdfunding campaign. Right. Six months before that, I in 2018, December, I couldn't even afford an Uber. I was completely financially exhausted wow. across all my credit cards were maxed out. I had no more money left across, I mean, everything because I was funding my business out of my pocket when I ran out of investor money. And I didn't get discouraged because I knew that this is a part of the journey. I knew that I could also generate money again. I mean, once you get a taste of it and you know you can do it, you can do it again. Mm -hmm. And so I tell myself like, okay, I've been down before. I can do it again. And also, you know, I'm very grateful for, um, the years of wisdom that I have, you know, me being my age I've, and I've been entrepreneur 20 years. Every time I felt like I was going through the worst thing I ever went through, I got past it. Mm. And it wasn't it was a memory. So anytime I'm in a really bad space as far as like financially or things aren't going well or my product got stolen before, or all kinds of crazy things happen. I'll say one day this is going to be a memory. And I'll be looking back on this. And I'll be looking back on how I overcame this, not how it defeated me. And that is what I say to myself every day in the, in the face of adversity. I mean, we just went through it again recently, you know, raised one point three million dollars. And then, you know, we ran out of money again and now we raise money again. You know, so it's a part of the it's a part of the cycle. It's, it, but it's not for the week, because if you really calculate your worth based on money or your success based on what's in the bank at that moment, um, it can be very extremely discouraging, but I always calculate it based on my net worth um, and what the value of the things that I'm building are market value, which, you know, I'm a millionaire in that respect. Mm -hmm. So for you, when you went down and you had you couldn't afford an Uber and a you. you yeah, Not like, so how did you bounce back? Did you get a job and then you built it back up or did you come up with another idea? You had people find that. What was the plan? So for some context, you know, we were waiting for six months for the Security Exchange Commission, the SEC, to approve us to raise money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had to raise money the legal route, which takes time. And so I ran out of money waiting to be approved. So I just had to wait. So I didn't go get a job. I didn't. I just had to just wait. I stayed with family. My family made sure I ate and me and my daughter ate every day. Like everybody knew that as soon as I was able to go raise money, I was. But I just couldn't legally accept it. I mean, I had investors wanting to give me checks, but I could not legally accept that money because you have to have certain um, approvals to take investor money. And so I just I just said, you know what? Today I have no money for an Uber. I called on my friend. I was like, hey, can you call me at Uber? I, I have a meeting and I can't even get there. And, you know, they, they did it for me. And I wasn't embarrassed or ashamed because all, most of my friends are entrepreneurs and they understand the peaks and valleys. But I didn't get a job in times where um, prior to this, where I got really low on funds and down to zero. And um, I didn't have like a 
easy gateway here, like to raise money. I would start doing consulting. I would do freelance work. I, I when Uber first came out, I drove Uber for a month. Um, you know, I do whatever I need to do. I'm, I'm a single mother, so I do whatever I, that I need to do within my moral compass and you know ethically, because I do believe that you know, of course, in karma. So I would never do anything um, illegal or or steal from people or anything like that. Hustle people, but I use my skills, and you know, all of us have so many skills that are valuable. Even if you don't think that people will pay, you can look around and see all the things people are selling and realize that you got something to offer. Mm. Just got to tap into that. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that because a lot of people, uh, I think the pride holds them back. You know, I don't want to go stay with my mom for six months. I don't want to go stay with my best friend for three months. And that not staying with them is what's holding you back because you're trying to mm-hmm. uphold this image that you got it going on. No, just say, hey, man, I got to, you know, scale back a little bit because I got I know what I got coming forward. And you have to be confident. Same thing happened to me. I started my company flat out of heels and I was making six figures a year as a consultant in Atlanta. And I really want to start flat out. And, um, you know, I started it and quit consulting. And within six months, I ran out of money. And this at the time I was I had a, a, a new Lexus LS460, the big boy, the big boy Lexus. I was living in a high rise in Miami overlooking the water. And I couldn't pay my bills anymore. I couldn't afford to pay, you know, it was either between pay for inventory for my business to try to sell some shoes or pay this rent in this $800 a month car note. And so my car got repossessed. I let it get repossessed because I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and let it go. And I said to myself, you can fix your credit. But what's more important? I'm trying to build something, you know, I'm trying to build something for my future. And, you know, I never let my ego or pride get in the way. That car I repossessed, and people be like, where your Lexus at? The repo man got it when I was at the dentist. I came out from the dentist, and I called the police. Like, somebody phoned my car, and it was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> that boy, <laughs> the repo man got that. So I was like, okay, I called a taxi. You know, there wasn't even Uber yet. I called a taxi and got there. So I never, I, I never been ashamed about those kind of things because I know it's a part of the journey. I lived with my cousin, slept on a mattress on the floor underneath my daughter's bunk bed for – Six months, but then I then the next year I made three hundred thousand dollars selling shoes. Mm. Um, well, nobody talking then. Right. You know, I never cared what people thought about me because I believed in me, and I and I know that you sometimes have to do what you gotta do to do what you want to do, and I'm always do what I gotta do. There it is. Belief in self is very important. Being that you are into tech, what should we be looking forward to? What should people be focused on skill-wise? Because I, I interviewed Brother Derek Grace, and he talked about robots. Robots going to be replacing a lot of human beings. They ain't got to worry about no robots coming in late. They ain't got to worry about no attitude. So being that you're in tech, is there anything that you're noticing that people need to start kind of paying attention to? If they got you know children that's going to college, what should they be into instead of the old traditional jobs? So many people ask me, Brother Ben X, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made $130,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game, and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K. To 210-504-4094 will give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made 130000 in two days. Peace. 
So I'm gonna say this too, and that's a good point because people talk about robots, but see, robots are machines. They have to be serviced and maintained. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to operate these robots. Somebody has to program these robots. Somebody has to service these robots. Somebody has to, if they if the robot breaks. So it's like getting into the next thing, um, you know, being a part of that. But also getting into tech doesn't just mean being technical. It doesn't just mean coding. Every tech company, has an HR person, multiple marketing people, media, PR, every single position can be applied to a tech company. You don't have to be an engineer to be in tech. You can do media for tech. You can do marketing for tech. You can do graphic design for tech. Every skill is transferable because technology company is just a company. It has all the needs. People talk about getting to the cannabis industry a lot as well, which is a booming industry. But you don't have to be a grower or own a dispensary to be in the cannabis industry. You can be in the packaging, design, um, ancillary products, marketing, PR, HR. Um, all these things are needed in the cannabis industry. I remember a company a couple years ago called Work. They raised about $10 million to just provide a, a payroll platform for dispensaries because companies like ADP, and other payroll processing companies will not work with cannabis organizations because it's federally illegal. So a lot of big companies can't even work with cannabis companies at risk of putting themselves at risk. So this is a great time for entrepreneurs with skills to use those skills and apply them to the cannabis industry. So these guys were making millions of dollars in the cannabis industry providing payroll processing. Mm. So don't always think it's so technical. You know, the bigger tech companies get, the more they need People for everyday tasks, managing their workers, you know, everything that you do can be applied to technology. Even like, say, for example, you said, OK, I want to pivot and be all in the tech. Well, basically, Brother Ben, you are in tech. You're you're fully tech enabled. Everything you're doing, we're on technology right now. You are fully tech enabled. This is a tech business you have right now. Mm -hmm. But say you say, I just want to focus on tech. Well, you can just interview only people in tech. Like people need to open their mind and realize that your skills are transferable. That's good. Robots cannot ever replace us. They can take away some jobs. Like for example, this is really old school, but in my grandparents time, they had a milkman and you got your milk delivered to your doorstep in jars by the milkman. The milkman is now gone. He does not exist. You get your milk from the store, but that you still need milk. They're not going to make digital milk. So just figure out the new way of doing things and how your current skills can be applied to that. That's good. Uh, as far as your your belief in self, um, because I see you have a lot of belief in yourself and a lot of people actually need that as well, because I tell people all the time, um, you know, a lot of us got great ideas. We have great thoughts, but we just give up too early. And then you may find a year or two later, somebody had the same idea and they're successful. And you're like, man, I had that same idea, but you just didn't stick with it. So how do you stick with it? Do you write it down? Do you, you know, do you have accountability partners? What do you do to manifest it from your mind? Everything that you said. I mean, I certainly write it down. You know, we all know. Well, now we all know. I don't want to assume that. Writing it down definitely brings it into this dimension. You know, there's multiple dimensions. What's in your mind, putting it on paper and speaking, it brings it into this physical reality that we're in now. So I definitely always write it down so it can so I can be clear to me, but so also so I can recruit a team mm. so that I can get people to work with me. Because a lot of people talk. We hear talkers all day. But if someone takes the time to document it, write it out, that shows that they've taken the time to think it through. And that's how you get people to join your team by saying, listen, this is the vision. 
this is how I'm going to get this done. So I, I write things out. I definitely am heavy on visualization. I'm to the point where I visualize things that I want for my life, that I'm claiming for my life. And when I visualize it, it, look, it looks like it's a memory. It looks like it already happened. It's so clear that it's like I'm imagining something that already happened because that's how your vision has to be very clear. So even up to every detail, like if you're picturing yourself, you know, I'll give myself I'll, I'll use myself as an example. You know, the life that I that I wanted for myself right now. I had goals that I wanted for myself when I turned 40 and I met every single goal, every single goal. And it's because I saw it. I saw myself in the house. I saw the kind of. I got saw the layout, the kind of art I want on the walls. I saw the kind of like I've seen everything so clear. Think about every detail. You know, I knew what kind of watch I wanted. The earrings I have in my ears. I visualized these earrings. I mean, you know, and they just they came into my life almost like magic. Um, <laughs> and it, it really you really can create your reality in a way that is very much like magic because, you know, we're gods. When they say God made you in his image. His, him, her, whatever you believe, that means we're gods and we can create. And I think a lot of us don't tap into that, that, you know, that, that God given ability, that birthright to create and to have the life that we want. And so in times like this where Corona going on and people are panicking, we are, I mean, there's so much abundance in my life. My family is experiencing amazing time about business at a peak and that's because um i don't i'm i'm, I'm not I'm, i don't operate in a place of fear always in a place of abundance and so anytime and this is another thing you asked me when i had no money for an uber i would just say thank you god for the abundance i don't pray and ask for things i pray and thank because when you thank it's already done mm. it's like if i say can you can you interview me on your podcast? It's, it's making a request. You can say no. If I say thank you for having me, you already just basically got to have me on there because I've already said it. <laughs> and the universe is the same way. It's like, thank you, God, for abundance. Thank you, God, for, you know, everything. I just say thank you. Because then the universe must respond to your command. You're making a command. You're thanking. It is done. So even I never say, can you give me, please, I need I, nothing. Just thank you. Whatever I want, whatever, thank you for it. And it just appears. Like, literally, I said, thank you for a husband. And I just, I just got married, like, last month, two months ago. Wow. That's amazing. Husband just popped up. <laughs> I, think, I think what you said kind of leads into the actual topic. You write it down, and by writing it down, that helps you find a team. How do you go about finding the perfect person? Not perfect, but right person for the team. How do you go about recruiting them? What do you show them? Definitely the, the written down plan and the vision and how I'm going to make money. But, you know, the first thing I did was spend a lot of time on customer discovery, really having a deep understanding of who's going to buy my products, what that profile looks like, um, what they're willing to spend. And I did a lot of surveys and interviews before I even I was a one woman show for a long time, because when you bring other people around and have them involved, then you're responsible for them in a sense. So I wanted to make sure that I could deliver on what I said. But writing it down, sharing that vision, um, showing that I have skin in the game. So me investing my personal money or, you know, giving up like people who work with me were impressed that I gave up my car 
and gave up my high rise because they knew, okay, if she's willing to go all in, I'm going to ride with her. Right. People need to know that when things get tough, you're going to ride out, that you're willing to do what it takes, you know, and, and that you're not driven by ego or trying to be an image that's really, you know, not what it is at the time. So I built my team that way. And I'll tell you from experience now building teams for all these years, the very hardest part of being an entrepreneur in scaling a company is the team building part. And what I've learned in the book called Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, and he is the uh, CEO of Zappos called Delivering Happiness, is the importance of creating a company culture. And the culture starts with you because you're the head of the company. Me, I'm the head of the company. And so I had to think about it. What kind of company do I want to work for and be at every day? What does that look like? You know, what, what are our core values? What's our mission? How do we dress? How do we well, how do we handle everything? Like, what is the dream company? And I just created that dream company, wrote it down. And I created a culture book before I even had a team. And I said, this is how we're going to be. And people were attracted to my vision of the kind of company that I wanted to build. You know, a company where, you know, you're self-sufficient, a company where um, we value family and health and, and well-being and mental health and self-care as a priority a company where, you know, you can have as many days off as you want. As long as your as long as your job is done, you can do what you want. Like I created the company that I wanted and people just started lining up to work with me. And some people didn't work out. But now after, you know, a couple years, I have my dream team. I have my, my 92, you know, Bulls team where we got it. With you doing everything yourself in the beginning, was it hard for you to delegate? And if it was, how did you get over that? Because I know a lot of people, they do things. And like for me, editing. Like, you know, we got an editing team now, but I still do a lot of editing because it's like, man, I'm, I'm so used to doing it myself. So how did you do that process and work that out? It was extremely hard to delegate because I was so, it was my baby. I was so close to it. And then I was doing it well and it was working. Right. And so I was scared to give it up because I'm like, they might mess up or they don't do it my way and my way's doing working well. But then I had to really realize like there's more than one way to do something successfully. And I needed to have to, I knew I had to let people, if I wanted them to come in and really buy into my vision, I had to make them, give them some ownership and let them understand that, you don't have to do it my way for it to be done right. Your way is valuable. Your way is valid as long as in the day the task is done. So I had to let that go. And a couple of times, more than once, more than 10 times probably, it didn't go exactly as planned. But as we got into a workflow, and they, got, they started to know my style better. Um, it, it goes really well. So now I can fully delegate anything and they get it done. They get it done. It, it may not be my way. I may not even have thought about the way they did it. And, and now a lot of times they come and think of things that I didn't think of. And that's when you know you're doing a really job as a leader. A good job was when your team comes and they are thinking of things ahead of you. They are taking initiative and ownership to be like, let's do this. And I have all the stuff laid out for you. And that took me a long time to figure that out. But then it's another thing that I do. And I talked about this on our group the other day about the delegation calculator. And my mentor taught me this when I was in my young 20s and he was a millionaire and he said, you know, I'll give a round number. He's like, you know, I want to make a million dollars a year. That means that every minute of my 365 days, you know, is worth a certain dollar amount. And if I'm going to spend an hour on something, the value of my hour is a certain dollar amount based on a calculation of 365 days to make a million. Mm -hmm. If it's not worth my time. 
financially to do this task, I'm going to delegate it to someone who that is what their time is worth. And only you can tell somebody what your time is worth. Nobody can devalue your time. In most cases, nobody's going to increase your time worth. You have to take control and say, listen, I'm worth this because I say so. Mm. Because if not, they're going to keep letting you do something for $15 an hour when you really feel like you're worth $100 an hour. You got to be the one to say, you know what? I've been doing this for 15. I'm good at this. The price went up. It's 100 an hour. You know, give yourself a raise and command it. And it, it does work. But that's how I delegate. My time is worth a lot of money. So, so I can't do everything. So with the, um, uh, oh, with the, with the building the team, is there any red flags over the years, even working with other people that you notice that a person is not really on the team? They're, they're not really the good fit. Any red flags that you can share? Yeah, definitely red flags. So I always hire for culture. And so, you know, red flags come when it's like they're really motivated by money. And everybody loves, everybody likes to get paid and support their family. I am a big, I'm big on that, you know, but if that's all you care about, um, that that's not going to work for a startup because there's time when we run out of money or right. it's very volatile. So that's all about money. I had a person interview and they, they could not function. When I said, he said, how many vacation days do I get a year? I said, unlimited vacation. No, no, I need to know exactly how many vacation days. I need to know. I need it in writing. I said, sir, if you want to go on vacation, let us know in enough time. Go on vacation. If something's urgent that comes up, like just be willing to, you know, work with us. But unlimited vacation days. He could not handle that freedom. He came from a very corporate background. So I knew he wasn't a fit because I'm like, we're way too laid back for him to like somebody to tell you unlimited vacation days. Either you want to abuse that and say, I ain't coming to work. Or you want to be like, okay, I'm not restricted. I'm free. I can determine what I got to do. And that's why we have unlimited vacation days. But then people that are just, um, they say things like I'm off or like, I don't, I don't work past this time. I don't have any expectation. I don't have to even tell my team to work on the weekend or in the evening. They work until the work is done to a satisfactory level. Mm. They work whenever they want. Some people, some people like myself don't even start working till 11 a.m. I don't even work till 11 a.m. I am a mor- not a morning person. My mornings are for myself. I work it in the evenings. And then during the day I have meetings. Some team members, they do really well working at night. And, you know, or really well being up at 7 a.m. So it's like if someone cannot handle that flexibility and freedom, I know that there, it doesn't work. And if they're like, oh, I don't work past six or I'm off work. You're not the right person for our core team because we're building something here that takes, you know, a certain type of mentality. And so you can tell right away when things you got, I trust my gut. You know, you, I can tell right away if it's not going to work out. And for those who don't know, how much money uh, have you raised? With is the is the top number one point three, or that's just what you did in two thousand? That's what I raised last year. So so far, I've raised two point seven million for this business. I raised about three hundred thousand for my shoe company, and as a consultant, I raised and got in sponsorships and donations over a million dollars. So definitely, um, have raised some. Substantial money. I'm raising money right now 
But um, you know, my goal is to get to a total of once we're at about eight million is the, the the goal. So we're at about close to three right now. Okay, so that's what we're going to get into. But before we get into that, I want to talk about when you said growing a community of customers, because yeah. there's a lot of people who have great products, great services, but they just do not know how to get it in front of people. And if they do get it in front of people, they don't know how to turn this audience or these eyeballs into actual customers. So what is the blueprint strategy or keys that you can share um, to getting a community of customers? So, you know, community building is not an overnight thing. It takes time and there's steps that you can take. And I always recommend, you know, taking these steps in advance before you know that you're going to need them. People like to feel uh, communicated with and engaged with before you need something from them. Right. And so my way of building a community, which, by the way, we didn't really talk much about that. I raise money from the public. So I have over twenty five hundred investors and these are, you know, everyday people like me, you know, um, and I most of them found us on social media and through when I was on the Breakfast Club and on the Karen Hunter show, they found us. And, you know, throughout the years, what I've done, because all of us entrepreneurs go to tons of events we're on you know tons of conferences meetups mixers and we get business cards all day and it's like you find value in that person but you don't know what you can do with them right now right but you want to stay engaged so what i've always done for at least the past six years is say listen can i add you to my monthly newsletter and i'm you know just going to keep you updated on what i'm working on something jumps out reach back out to me and so I ended up building a list of thousands of people that I meet over the years. And I just send out a monthly or bi-monthly email and I'll say top three things I'm excited about, whether it's business or personal. This is what I'm working on. This is what I'm excited about. You know, let them see what I'm doing. Asks. So I might say, anybody know a good accountant? Anybody know this or just any ask that I have? I ask my network first. Show them the media that I'm in or anything new that I want to share, things that I find interesting and keep it very brief. I get an 80 percent plus open rate on that newsletter. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just keeping them updated. Did that for years or in the case of flat out several months before I launched a product. And then when the product launched, it didn't come out of nowhere. They already knew I was working. Right. They seen me going through my challenges and my wins. And when I started selling a product. They started buying it right away off Facebook with Popcom. When I went to raise this money, I had been updating people for two years about what I'm working on. I want to do a vending machine company. Here's my challenges. Even in my email, I'll talk about things I'm excited about, ask, and even a major challenge that I'm having because people like to help. And if in and, and every single time I put in the email, I ask, somebody replies. Every time I have a challenge, somebody has advice for me. And even though they don't say anything, they're reading it. And so that is how they would build a community of customers and investors by just reaching out to people before I need something, not selling them all the time, just letting them get to know me and showing them my wins and my losses and, you know, my strengths and weaknesses. Because like you said, everybody don't talk about, you know, the success. Everybody knows you're not always successful. Right. If you can be self-aware and be honest enough to be like, yeah, I messed up. I failed. I just, somebody stole my product. We're $50,000 down because we picked the wrong person to help us. And we, we need to get back up. People will respect that. They respect that so much. And so I found just being extremely open, transparent and vulnerable, but at the same time, strong and assured, like, yes, 
I messed up, but I have a plan. I messed up, but I learned. And now I know not to do this. And what I'm going to do next time is this. And I just send an email. And that's really how you build it. And then, of course, utilizing your social platforms. Um, I don't know if younger people utilize Twitter and LinkedIn the way that they should. Twitter and LinkedIn are the single most valuable platforms for me for business. Everybody you want to reach as far as investors and media or on Twitter. They are easy to talk to and reach out to. You can direct message them or just tweet them and they answer. So I've gotten, if you look up, I've been in all of the major media for startups and just, I mean, a ton of media, ton. Many of that comes from Twitter engagement. I've never had a publicist. I've always reached out to them on my own. And now I have a whole list of media outlets that cover me. So I'll send out a press release for my own and send it to them and say, hey, this is my new thing I'm working on. And they cover it. Um, investors, they're right there and available. But the strategy to build a community is not to ask, can you can you write about me? Can you invest in me? Say, I read your article you wrote on such and such. It was really good. I like this point. That sparks your interest. People like to hear about themselves. That's good. People like compliments. People like to know you're paying attention to them. Everybody is a star in their own movie. They're the star. Keep that in mind. Every time I always think of something, I am not the star in anybody's movie but mine. Everybody else is a star in their movie. You're walking around in your movie of your life. You are the star. Nobody else is going to make you a star in their movie. You're the only person that is a star in your movie. So I'm okay. They're the star in their movie. I'm going to compliment them. I'm going to let them know that I see them. People want to be seen and heard. Same as investors. I get on I get on Twitter and ask for advice. People say, you ask for money, you get advice. You ask for advice, you get money. That is true. They want to know you're teachable and coachable. So I'll be like, no, but hey. Say that, say that quote again. That was kind of quick. Say it again. Yes. You want, if you ask for money, you get advice. Mm. If you ask for advice, you get money. That's good. True. True. And so, I never and so, and and so give, it, give an example of that. Okay. Go to an investor. I see that you invested in this, um, you know, e-commerce business, your portfolio. What are your thoughts about, you know, the trends of e-commerce and omni-channel, like something, just whatever. And they'll be like, oh, good question. Da, 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 da. And then, then I'll talk back like, oh, that's great. Thanks. And I saw an article where you talked about and they interviewed you about your success and this and that. And they're like, oh, yeah, you saw that article? Da, da, da. And then they'll be like, oh, what do you do? Well, yeah, by the way, I actually am in retail. And this is my website. Oh, that's interesting. Like it, it's happened to me so many times more than I can count. Showing that you care about them. If I reach out and say, hey, I have a company. Can you invest? They are not going to answer. Facts. That's good. They're not going to say a word. But if you're like, I see you, you're, you're, I recognize you. You're awesome. You're smart. Yeah, they I, like I, I like that you're the star of your own movie concept. Yeah. I, ne- I never thought about it like that, but I do teach my digital real estate class, you know, to build their engagement. Like nobody knows you. Go comment on their page Go and, and don't promote. Don't say, hey, and don't comment something cool. Awesome. No, give them context to what they actually posted. Show that you actually looked at it. So I definitely yeah. like that. Uh, everybody's a, a star in their own movie. That's, that's yeah, good. I learned the relationship course because it's like, who do you want to be in somebody's movie? And sometimes who you think you are in their movie is not who they see you as in their movie. Mm. And so it's like, what part do you want to play in their movie? And um, that's how I approach things. And not like I'm the star. I'm not the star. They are the star. How can I enhance their movie? And it, that approach really works. That's good. So for uh, so this is uh, when you're raising money, it's private equity, right? 
private equity. So someone who wants to build a business, they got an idea. What all do they need to have um, together before they go on the platform like Indiegogo? I know that's like one for movies and other platforms that you can raise money. What all do they need to have in line? So there's different types of crowdfunding you can do. Indiegogo is more of a creative platform for, like you said, movies, films, films, creative projects, art, Kickstarters for products. So if you want to bring a product to market, you get pre-sales. That's not equity. That's like buying it in advance. And then they you they fund you building it and you deliver them the actual physical product. Mm. Equity crowdfunding, what I do is actually selling shares of your company, um, similar to like the stock market, but it's a private exchange. So you don't go trading it. You can buy it, but you can't trade it. So, so on the NASDAQ, you go buy and trade. On the New York Stock Exchange, you buy and trade. On a private equity exchange, it's not yet legal. It will be eventually, but it's not yet legal to trade. But you can go on Start Engine, WeFunder, Seed Invest, Republic. And there's multiple other equity crowdfunding platforms that you can buy private equity shares in a startup company or in a lot of things, not just the startup companies. I've seen all kinds of things on these sites that you can invest in for actual ownership. Of course, any investment is a risk in anything. I mean, I invested in Uber when it first IPO'd. I invested at like 30 something dollars. It went all the way down to twenty one dollars. So I lost money every even Uber, you know, so everything is a. It's a risk, but I'm holding because I see the future for Uber. So you have to see it as a long-term thing and not a flip. It's not a, it's not a make money fast thing. It's, it's a long-term hold. But what you need to do as an entrepreneur is prepare something what's called a due diligence data room. You can Google this. It's due diligence data room. And it's basically all the documents related and pertaining to your business, organization, corporate structure, your articles of incorporation, your um, organization, as far as everything you file with the state, every document um, with, you know, even yourself, if you're making no money at all and you're just started it, you still should have an employment agreement with yourself and your company. If you do any work, even if you're not getting paid, you should still be documented as an employee of your business. So have that employment agreement there, something that's called an intellectual property assignment agreement, meaning that Anything that a person does while working with you belongs to you in your company. So that intellectual property belongs to your company, not to them. It doesn't matter if it's their idea. While they're working with you, it belongs to your company. And so everybody has to sign their IP to the company. Um, all their financial statements, P&L's balance sheet. Run a P&L every single month, even if you're not selling anything or you don't have any money. It could be zero. But trust me, I know you have some expenses. So thoroughly document, even using something like a QuickBooks Online, $24 a month. Input your expenses. Run a report every month. P&L balance sheet cash flow statement if you ever plan on raising money in the future. And for those who don't know and like very, very new, P&L is profits and losses, right? Yes, profit and loss statement, balance sheet, showing what your company assets, liabilities in, the, in your actual, you know, what your company's worth at the time every month. That can change month to month. And then your, you know, cash flow income statement. Every month, download your bank statements, put them in a folder. Don't be, listen, I done downloaded and put bank statements in with negative money, negative $100 overdrawn it doesn't matter don't be ashamed because you know you can come back from that but it's important to show that you're organized that you can be a good steward of investor money they just want to know that they give you money 
You can manage it properly because you're already properly managing your business when you don't have any any you know significant cash flow. Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering, what can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market. And I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS tribe. The ABS tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and Brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six-figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS tribe, go to www.whatisabstribe.com, www.whatisabstribe.com. Mm-hmm. So they need all those documents. So what I do now is keep an ongoing data room. So every month, all my invoices, receipts, any new contracts I sign, NDAs, everything we do, I just put it in the folder as it comes in, download it, put, put it in there. So my thing is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So just always have your company organized. And that, I will say, of our community, I love us black people, but that be our downfall why we don't get the money. It's not because we're black. A lot of times it's because we're not, we don't have our paperwork in order. Right. We're just hustling. And I, and I do a talk, talk then it's really focused on less hustling and more building sustainable, scalable businesses. You cannot scale a company that's not properly organized. Mm-hmm. You cannot sustain a company and have a team and working for you if it's not properly organized. And it does take time. It's time consuming. People say, I'm not a numbers person. You're never going to be a millionaire if you're not a numbers person. Become one. Learn numbers. There's too much software out there for you to say I'm not a numbers person. So, you know, that's that's what you have to have. So when you go apply for these platforms, the first thing they're going to say is we're going to do our due diligence. And they're going to say, send me a link to your data room. And you need to have all that stuff there. We also have to do a financial review. Um, and I had to do a three-year audit for this next round. But for a financial review, you have to have your financial review by independent CPA that does not work for you every month. Because, of course, you could just lie, you know. Right. So they have to have an independent person review that. Um, and then for l- raising larger money, you need to have an audit. But, you know, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. But if you are doing the work in starting today, as you can hear the sound of my voice, starting today, and just start to organize all your paperwork in a Google Drive, in a Dropbox, or whatever cloud that you like. Don't put it on your laptop. Your laptop gets stolen, and then you don't got it. Put it in the cloud. Then it's there. You can just send the share link, and it's there. There's, so a sister who, there's a sister who said, I have an LLC. Should I get a business bank account? Absolutely. 100%. And the beautiful thing is, I got I have a couple, I have several small businesses. I have an LLC for my own self that I use to do my speaking money and write off things. I went on Bank of America online. I did my whole account process. I never set foot in a bank. You can open a business bank account without ever stepping foot in the bank. Bank of America does it. I'm sure other ones do it as well. I also learned this new thing. Um, hold on, let me get my charger, laptop charger. A new thing with this whole PPP and these EDL loans or whatever that came out. 
If you can bank with a local or regional bank as a small business, it's more beneficial to you to build banking relationships and to also be able to qualify for loans easier. Um, so I have I have multiple bank accounts. I have major banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Bank of America, but also have smaller banks like Kimba. Credit unions are amazing for small businesses. And Huntington is a small regional bank. And I got the PPP loan process very fast because I was at a small bank. People with Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, they were struggling to get them big loans because you're competing against these major large corporations that bank these banks. So definitely a credit union is great for a small business and a smaller bank is good for you to build relationships with those bankers. Gotcha. gotcha. And, and, and touching on the pitching to pitching to investors, um, besides having all of the paperwork together, what are some things that investors are usually looking for? They want to know how you're going to make money. That's all. I mean, a lot of times we spend so much time saying, you know, I started this business because I love this and right. I'm just my feelings are here and I just want to, they don't care. Right. What are you going to sell? How much does it cost to make it? Are you selling it for? What are your margins? How are you going to make money? When are you going to break even? When are you going to be profitable? What's your three year financial projections? How are they going to get their money back? How are you going to get their money back? That's all they really want to know for real. They want to know you have a plan, but the plan is getting their money back. Mm. And that's how I've been able to raise money successfully by being able to clearly articulate that. And honestly, it did not always, it did not ever go as planned, but I had a plan. And when the plan didn't work, I pivoted and they were still riding with me. You know, I, I started my vending machine company in 2012. My plan was to have vending machines in every major airport by 2014. It is 2020. I do not have a machine out yet. Mm. They are still riding with me because they see I've been doing all the work all this time. And, you know, it is working out. Please, my phone charger. Can you grab my laptop charger for me? Sorry. Grab my laptop charger for me. Thanks. Um, for, uh, I forgot what I was about to ask about the um, investor. Uh, yeah, it was something about investors. It was going to be, oh, so if somebody is creating a product or they got a service and they want investors and it's a good idea, a person who's never done it before, how do they get, how do they provide projections if they haven't sold one product yet? How do you provide projections? One second. Can you help me? Can you plug it in? I know, but I'm stopping. Can you plug it in for me? Sorry. <laughs> Can you plug it in for me? My laptop's about to die. My amazing husband is assisting me. We get to work from home together right now. Quarantine is such a beautiful experience. Thank you. Okay, question. You've never done it before. So I'm going to go back to 2001 when I never did it before. And my first time getting investor money. I got $10,000 and I was, couldn't believe it. And so the way you come up with projections is that you look at similar companies. And even though you may say, I don't have a competitor. Nobody does just what I do. Somebody does something comparable that help you see what it could be. So what I did was I took, of course, how much the product is to manufacture. So I'm making shoes, what I'm selling it for, how much it costs to operate my business monthly. So the great thing about the Internet is you can go online and find like um, a budget or like a projections template. Mm -hmm. And it'll basically tell you every category. So like. HR expenses, office rent, you know, uh, electricity. If you don't have that, that's fine. But it'll tell you everything. 
that you need to kind of plug in. Um, and then you just plug in how much it's going to cost every month to operate. Some things are going to be the same every month. You know, it might have cloud services, $50 a month. Um, Shopify platform fees, $200 a month. You know, those basic things you can project out because they're pretty static. Then when you're talking about sales projections, you got to just guess. And there are um, things you can calculate. So in an in a e-commerce environment, for example, there are formulas out there. I don't know them by heart, but you can Google it. If you put a certain amount of money into ads, you can generally guess that you're going to get a certain amount back from those ads. So, you know, if you're doing Facebook ads as your marketing, that you put, I'll give a great example. I invested $25,000 in the Facebook ads on my crowdfunding campaign, mm -hmm. and we got $300,000 of investments from those ads wow. from our pixel. So now I'm thinking, I put 50 grand in, I get 600, right? That's just giving me a guess. It could be lower or higher, but it's giving me a guess. So that's how you project. So if you say, all right, in year one, I want to have, you know, three locations selling my product. Year two, I want to have 10. You just kind of guess, but it helps you to set goals for yourself. Now, projections are always wrong. Everybody knows it and investors know it. Mm -hmm. They don't expect you to be right. They just expect you to thought it through. And then every month when you're working in your business, you set KPIs, which are called key performance indicators. And you set these KPIs and then you update your, your financials every month. And then you say, okay, where am I at based on what I projected I was going to be at? And what are those variables? And that's how you really learn your business and your trends. But projections are guesses based on assumptions and the assumption should be based on education. That's good. So for you talked about time management, even last night you gave a, uh, you talked about, you know, you're not really having a problem with that so much as an entrepreneur, new entrepreneurs, you know, people, like you say, you working more than 40 hours and, and, and a lot of times you probably working in your sleep cause you got dreams about new ideas. How do you manage that work life uh, balance. How, how do you do it? What's your system? Now, you know, 20 years in, I have a beautiful system as a young entrepreneur, as an early entrepreneur, because not about age. When I say young, I just mean young in your business time. You mm -hmm. could be of any age. Anybody could be an entrepreneur at any time and never too late or never too early. But as a young, you know, entrepreneur, I thought that I had to work all the time. Mm -hmm. I thought stuff like sleep when you die and I'm working all night. And the more I work, the more I'm going to make money but I was burning myself out and I wasn't getting proper sleep and I wasn't getting proper nutrition and I was not putting self care first because self care wasn't its word. They threw around in, in 2000 as I like they do now. Mm -hmm. And so my time management wasn't that great. You know, I just, I just worked constantly. Um, I wasn't, you know, as productive. Now what I do is I, I set tasks. I have a team now, but before I had my team a couple years ago, I set, you know, you know, what are my hot things that are priorities? And I've set the task according to what needs to be worked on today. Because as an entrepreneur, there's no day that's going to go by where you've done everything and your whole job is done. Right. You have to know when you're going to say, you know what, I've done enough for today. And I need to eat. And I need to rest. And my child needs to see me or my family needs to see me or my significant other. or I need to go to the gym or whatever you need to keep you going. And you got to schedule that in. I actually schedule in everything on my calendar so that it gets a spot. So working out was on the, is on the schedule. 
You know, I take time, I block my calendar off to cook lunch and fix lunch for my family and fix dinner for my family, especially now while we're in this, you know, stay at home time to spend time with family. I stop working most nights by eight or nine o'clock um, so I can spend time with my family, um, just whatever we're going to do. But it comes with scheduling in things that are ma that matter to you and scheduling around it. I also used to just be so like eager to meet with people. I would just meet whenever they wanted to. They'd be like, let's meet at 7 a.m. or 9 p.m. And I'm like, okay, okay. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I, I have no time for myself. My schedule all over the place. So mm. I put into place where I don't take meetings before 11 a.m. If somebody want to meet early in the morning, they don't, they're not meeting with me because I don't meet early in the morning. And people will eventually adjust to your your rules. And if they want to meet with you, they'll meet with you. So, you know, I have meetings usually between 11 a.m. and latest one will be like six. And then in the evening, I'll do, you know, podcasts or whatever for myself like this is this is actually self-care time for me i'm really enjoying this so those things that i have for myself but the management comes with me making me a priority and me putting me first and everything else will fall into line and, and as a young entrepreneur early entrepreneur you may feel like i'm not i don't have enough money to do that oh don you say that because you're a millionaire already i became a millionaire by doing this mm. i did this when i had no money for uber I had to take care of myself because if you're not good, you cannot be a good friend, boss, leader, husband, wife, sister. You can't be good for nothing if you're not good for yourself. You have to take care of yourself and it will be a trickle down effect in your whole life when you are well rested, well fed, exercise, meditation. It will show up everywhere in your life. That's so good. now is the time, not when you're rich. This is how you get rich is to do that. Someone asked what what company is it that you own now? I know it's is it Popcom? Yes, Popcom is P O P C O M. Mm -hmm. I also own a company called Flat Out of Heels. I have a company called D1 Consulting Group is what I do my speaking under um and then I have a restaurant called Lifestyle Cafe. So those are my businesses. And for the flip side of the uh, private equity, a person who wants to put in the 250, the person who wants to put in the 2,500, um, and they, you can't, you can't necessarily sell them. So can you go into the benefits of putting in a 5,000 or 10,000? How does it work on that end? I mean, so the way, when I really encourage anybody that's interested in learning about my business, it's pretty complex, but I'll, I'll wrap it up in like really one minute. Popcom is the automated retail technology company. We make software for automated retail hardware, so vending machines and kiosks. So everywhere you self-serve, we make software that allows them to collect customer data anonymously. We use spatial detection, artificial intelligence. We also use blockchain technology. And what that does is help vending machines and kiosks understand their metrics the way that websites do by using Google Analytics. So we tell you your traffic, demographic profile. We tell you any trends that happen. We deliver targeted ads and targeted content, product suggestions, all those things on a, on a retail environment. Our business is really booming right now because of COVID and the social distancing. So we have a lot more new orders because retailers want to sell in vending machines now since there's you know, no humans involved. We also have the ability to do antibacterial screens, touchless screens. So we're really set up for this new world of like not interacting with humans as much in automation in the retail environment. Our, some of our biggest customers are uh, 
alcohol companies that are going to be selling alcohol in vending machines and cannabis companies that are going to be selling cannabis in vending machines or ordering the products on kiosks. We also have customers like, um, you know, Apple that we're talking to, McDonald's and other big companies. Procter & Gamble signed a contract with us to sell their products in new ways. But we are a software company, so we are very high tech, but we're like software for hardware. So the benefit of investing is getting in early on a tech on a technology company that's growing. You know, getting in on the ground floor or as the company's going up is definitely more profitable than waiting until they IPO um, because you can get in on a better price. For an ex- for example, our crowdfunding campaign last year was at an eight million dollar valuation, and the shares of the company were at sixteen cent a share. Currently, right now, a year later. The company is valued at $25 million and our shares are worth 55 cents. So everybody who invested last year at 16 cents, those 16 cents shares are now worth 55 cents. So that's triple almost their money. And so that's the benefit of getting in early. We still have a long way to go. So it's definitely not too late to get in. We are just launching our products, but we're valued at 25 million because when we went through the independent valuation process with the auditors, they determined that our company's worth $25 million because of the strength of our intellectual property, our two patents pending, and our customers that we have signed up. And so the benefit is just, you know, investing where you can possibly get a larger return. It's no promises, no guarantees. Like I said, I invested in Uber, and I'm losing right now. I'm down heavily on my Uber investment, but I believe Uber will come back. And, you know, that's what happens in business is there's waves. But we are a fast growing startup. Um, we have an amazing, phenomenal team and we have some great intellectual property. And I believe strongly based on the fact that we've got two offers already that will be acquired. And so um, I'm just, you know, focused on building it to that point. And then when we're acquired, that's, you know, the exit event that everyone can be repaid unless the SEC approves a private equity uh, ATS exchange where you can trade shares in private companies like you can in public companies, which would be amazing. And I'm waiting for that day to happen. So for somebody who's already invested into it, um, they get paid out once the SEC approves something. What is that something again? So the way to get paid out is if we do um, dividend payments out of profits. So a lot of times, um, if you're an investor in stocks, you'll get a dividend payment based on your shares. So it could be a dividend payment. It could be a liquidity event, meaning either we exit by um, selling the company. We do an IPO, which is going public. Or if the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, approves a secondary trading platform, which, like I mentioned before, the NASDAQ is a trading is a trading for, and then so is the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Those are the only places that you can trade publicly held shares. There's some private penny stock exchanges and things like that. But there's no exchange currently that you can go and trade shares that they have approved. If anybody's familiar with the the crypto trading a few years ago, people were on there trading on Binance and Coinbase and Poloniex. Those were ATS exchanges for tokens. But then the government shut those down. And the SEC said that's illegal. So now a lot of legislation is proposed to make it legal for private companies like mine to go on and present our companies for trading. Mm. And that is something I'm advocating for. You can look online on YouTube. And I recently spoke to Congress in March 
about the benefits of blockchain to small businesses. And one of those businesses is using blockchain to tokenize shares, to trade shares. Well, meaning I could, you could sell your shares to other investors and get liquidity and get out. But mm -hmm. as of now, that's not legal. I do believe that's coming in the next few years based on the legislation. Mm, and so if that, it's, if that passed, basically would that mean, like, let's say I got, um, you know, 100 shares and they are 16 cents and then it went up to, a less, let's say, a dollar and I sold all those for a dollar, that, that, you know, that's, um, um, what would that be called? That difference or whatever, that's what you're actually going to make liquid-wise. Yeah, that's your profit. Yeah, like right now, my investors, their, their investment is worth a lot more, but they just can't sell it. Mm. called liquidity gotcha. so it's in their portfolio it's an asset that they own and it's on their network but they just can't cash it out yet gotcha that's what we're working on okay. but they do own it and it is real sounds good so um what is the most uh to end it off what is the most difficult thing that you went through in business and how did you overcome it the first thing that comes to mind was when my product was stolen in 2018. Um, I hired a company to build my product, my vending machine, and I paid them all the money that they had in the contract. But then when it was time to deliver my product, they would not give it to me. They tried to extort me to get me to pay triple what the contract said. And they knew that my whole business was weighing on this product. We had orders for it. We had paying customers for it. And they knew that if they didn't deliver it to me, that everything would fall apart. So they were banking on that to extort me, to get me to just pay them whatever they wanted so that I, so that I could go stay in business. But I didn't. I did not pay them. And I walked away. And, you know, we had to start all over again. And that was difficult because that's when my investors, not my crowdfunding investors, but my institutional venture capital investors that I raised a million dollars from already, that's when they turned their back on me and was like, we're not giving you any more money. Mm. And we think you're going to fail. And so at that point, everybody had lost belief in me because, I mean, the product got stolen. We paid all this money, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars between software development and hardware development. We took money from big corporate clients and then we had to refund all the money so we that's how we ended up you know hitting the bottom financially because we had to refund all of the customer money and take a hit and to this day the product still never got given to us but i got it rebuilt so after everybody invested last year those 2200 people that invested last year we were able to get the product rebuilt and so that you know that was another again memory you know the feeling was horrible it was a sick disgusting feeling we were supposed to launch our product with Walmart at the Essence Festival. We had a booth with Walmart at Essence Festival 2018. And we had to call Walmart and cancel. And it was a horrible conversation. It, I had to call Procter & Gamble and say, we can't deliver your order by Christmas like for your activation. That was a horrible conversation. And what kept me going was to say, this is going to be a memory. And I can get past this. And we did get past this. And that. And we're now in a way better position so, you know, I say this to tell people the worst thing that you think I think it happened, it could happen and you'll still get through it. Mm. So what did you learn personally about that or, or from that situation? I definitely learned to have my own person, never to rely 100 percent on an independent contractor.
to deliver something to me. At the time, I did not have my own head of product for hardware because we're a software company. Mm -hmm. So I was like, listen, we'll focus on software and I'll outsource the hardware to another company. Nobody on my team understood hardware fully. So they, they, they BSed us a lot because we didn't know enough mm. to tell when they was not being honest with us. So after that happened, I hired my own head of product for hardware that works in my team to manage and oversee the contractors we work with to make sure that everything is legit. That's how we were able to get this done because mm -hmm. I have my own person who has our best interests in mind. I also learned the importance of reading through, I mean, I already knew this, but like having a lawyer look through every major contract like that, because there was little tiny clauses in the contract that I didn't get that I didn't, I read it, but I didn't interpret it properly to understand that they didn't have to deliver me a working product mm. to understand that their invoices and their contract was for estimates. You know, so the whole time they're talking to me, like, it's going to cost $30,000. And they're telling me this $30,000, okay, that's the price. And then in the contract, it's like, this is an estimate. So at the end of the day, they were like, it's only an estimate. It's really $80,000. And I'm like, why didn't you ever say during this whole process that it costs more? They never once told me, we talk every week, that it costs more. So if I would have just noticed in the contract that they said it was an estimate, that would have made me say every week, okay, what are we looking like? How much are we in on? Then I can make a decision if I want to move forward. But they didn't give me a choice. I had it, I was at their mercy. So I learned a lot about independent contractors. And that's why, you know, a lot of almost everything we do, we bring it in house now. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I thank you for sharing, sister. Um, you gave a lot of valuable um, information that we can use. Where can people follow you to support you, to get on your email list, to keep up with you on social media, all things of that nature? Thank you for the opportunity. Definitely you can follow me um, on, I'm very active on Instagram, Dawn W. Dixon, D-I-C-K-S-O-N, on Twitter, the Dawn Dixon, LinkedIn, Dawn Dixon. That's where you can message me. I respond to LinkedIn. I don't do business conversations on Instagram. I talk a lot on LinkedIn. I separate my platform for their purpose. And please support my business. If you're interested in learning more or investing, go to startengine.com forward slash popcom. That's P-O-P-C-O-M. And just check us out. Yes, ma'am. Well, I thank you for tuning in. I look forward to uh, even in the future doing some more uh, shows with you because you okay. was very valuable and, and offered a lot of information um, because I love having people on that have experience and that has actually went through things because a lot of people, like I say, are always promoting the success, but because they haven't actually experienced it and went through it, they don't know how to relate to somebody who's just getting started. And I got a lot of people on my page that's just getting started and they need a lot of the, the mental work. And so I guess my very, very, very last question would be, um, what book have you read that took you to the next level mentally that you think prepared you to be successful? Because a lot of people think that just getting a lot of money is going to make you successful. And a lot of books that we read, thinking grow rich, uh, rich dad, poor dad, a lot of these are just mindset shifts. And a lot of our people, when they see somebody who's a millionaire, they think, Oh, you just saying mindset. I was just fluff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me some money. But it's really your mind and the, and the way that you think your subconscious thinking that leads you to that million. So yeah. what book was it for you? I have a couple, if you don't mind. Um, the Four Agreements Changed My Life. Um, the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. 
The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz in this very great business book. And then lastly, it's a book called um, A Personal Touch. It's old by Terry Williams. And it just, I think it's something that our, the younger generation needs when building a business is always remembering. Despite being a digital era where everything is so instant, there's nothing that beats a personal touch. And it kind of teaches you how to do that and how you can apply that. Um, so it's important. So I named four. Four agreements, power of subconscious mind, hard thing about hard things, and a personal touch. And if you go on my Instagram, I have a highlight called books. Okay. And there's tons of books. I always post my books. And I and I read all these books that I post. So the the uh, four agreements, uh, the book four agreements. We hear that one come up a lot as well. What was it about that book that you think changed your life the most? It changed my life because I realized that everything I knew up to that point was just me agreeing with what someone told me, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that I made that I agreed to, I hadn't investigated for myself. Mm-hmm. So it showed, it gave me the power to say, you know what. I don't have to agree to anything that doesn't feel right for me. I have the right to go out and make my own decisions around everything, around my name, my religion, what I believe, my thought process, my traditions, my culture. And I changed everything. I mean, I was very much so a Christian. I'm not going to get into religion, but it just it was a paradigm shift for me Mm -hmm. that said, okay, I'm a Christian because I was born. They told me I was. But like, did I look into this or I believe in this certain thing because they told me I do. Mm -hmm. But why do I believe this? And so that same thing applies for business and applies for everything you do. Form your own opinion and come to an agreement that aligns with you and your higher self. Indeed. Well, I thank you for coming on, sister. Look forward to uh, getting with you next time and keep up the God work. And we look forward to uh, seeing the success that you will have. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yes, ma'am. Peace. Man, that was a great interview, wasn't it? Man, I told y'all I'm going to bring y'all that heat, man. I'm going to bring y'all the heat every week. But, yeah, man, I think we should definitely support the sister. Uh, she gave a lot of valuable information, and she has a lot of experience, and I think that she's a great leader in her field and has a lot of uh, valuable information to bring. So follow her on Instagram. I put her website in the bio, I, I mean, in the comment section there. And, of course, if you all would like to support you know, the podcast, Brother Ben X podcast, you can do so via cash app, dollar sign, Brother Ben X. You can do so via cash app, dollar sign, Brother Ben X. Thank you all for listening. You have a blacktastic night. John Ben. Do for self. Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Know you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay read up. God never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up. Elijah Muhammad Muhammad Ali. Sir, I come back on mess. Now, man, what about me? Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Know you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay read up. God never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up. Elijah Muhammad Muhammad Ali. Sir, I come back on mess. Now, man, what about me? Be willing to die so that we can be free. Now, if we don't produce, man, what we gon' eat? What we gon' eat? Yeah, man, what we gon' eat? What we gon' do if they cut off the street? If they block off them trucks, tell me what you gon' eat? What you gon' drink? See what I mean? What you gon' do? 
What I'ma do? I'ma stomach some food. Don't be a fool. That's five car lead. I'm in tune. Stay in the street. Change a couple goons. I'm pushing the worst. Say I'm pushing the message. I'm blessing the game. I already blessed me. Find a car new cause we got you. Can't lose. Only two dollars. Get news you can use. Heaven or hell. Those conditions you choose. Come to the mosque. These are things we can prove. Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do it for yourself. Now you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. Never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven. Hey, family, listen, I know COVID has messed up some of our vision and some of us, our vision for our family and our future looks a little blurry, but we want to help bring the vision back to 2020. We want you to be able to see the success and everything that you plan for 2020 to be. We want to help bring that vision back. So we have a crazy bundle for you going into Black Friday. This bundle, we got Purpose to Profit, which is a full course that's going to teach you how to turn your purpose into a product and that product into a profitable business, six-figure business from scratch. We're going to teach you how to turn your purpose into a product. We're going to teach you how to market, how to scale, how to productize. We're going to teach you how to test. We're going to teach you how to package this product so that you can be able to take it into the marketplace to be able to do great things. Not only with that bundle, you're also going to get private banking blueprint where we teach you how to build your own banking system. Yes, you heard me, your own banking system. And guess what? Guess what? It's only going to be for $368. Yes, you heard it. $368. You're going to get an actual physical copy of the textbook of Private Bank and Blueprint. All of that course together for $368 all the way up until Black Friday. If you want to move on that bundle, go to visionbundle.com. Visionbundle.com and take action today.